Welcome to Paychecks Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. This is Gene Marks, and you are watching another Thrive podcast. I am here with Mike Bell, who is the CEO at Miso Robotics. First of all, Mike, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Hey, Gene. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, me too. I, um, As we were talking just before we started recording this, I mean, I, I've been writing so much about how robotics and automation is having a big impact on businesses, small and mid-sized businesses, not necessarily big businesses. It's like the the affordability of this stuff is really coming down and it's providing uh, a lot of return on investment for a lot of businesses. So uh, Miso is at the forefront of all of this. And, and I want to, let's first of all, talk a little bit about uh, what Miso Robotics does. Give us a background of the company, a little bit of your history, please. Yeah, yeah, sure. So we've been in business for six years, but the first five of those years were just pure R&D mode where we had you know teams of engineers developing and, and bringing to market uh, our robotic solutions. So now this year, 2022, we have begun actually commercially manufacturing and shipping robots. So as we're sitting here today, Gene, there's robots cooking food that humans and serving food to humans that are eating it, eating them. And um, uh, we're off to the races. So we're in early days still as a company in terms of our actual um, you know, placement of robots in the world today. We're still counting in the dozens, but right. quickly getting to the hundreds. How long ago were you guys founded? We found it in 2016. Okay. And um, what about like you know, your your basic funding? Like are you a VC-based company? Do you have outside investors? Or like how did, how did that work? Super interesting uh, story there. But we, we came about the traditional way where it was a couple of entrepreneurs had an idea and raised venture capital. So the first $15 million, Series A and Series B, was a traditional venture from LA-based venture firms. But like many tech companies, uh, the product market fit didn't take hold early on. There was a lot of uh, conversation with customers about, you know, what should we automate? Should it be this or that? And so there was a bit of a reset that happened to the company in about 2018, where a new management team was brought in. And at that point, the company determined that it would like to try crowdfunding. And so we opened a Series C crowdfund in March of 2020, right at the beginning of COVID, by the way. And uh, and just blew the doors off our expectations. We raised twenty five million dollars, and then we since since gone on to raise another twenty five and another twenty five for a total of seventy five million dollars, all crowdfunding. So we have we have twenty five thousand individual shareholders. The average investment's three thousand dollars, and it's mm. just this terrifically efficient source of capital for us. Which to me, I mean, that shows the high level of interest that the public has in robotics. Yeah. You know, and and it yeah. is. The, the the opportunity to get into it on a ground floor level like at Miso, uh, particularly a company like yours, which you know is, has got products developed and and out at customers right now, it's kind of a no brainer. Um, and darn, I wish I kind of knew about this when that offering was going on. But okay, another topic for another day. Um, it's, so you're, it's, in, it's, you're you're still able to, by the way, and it's still early days. Like the company, okay. yeah, yeah, the, the the company you can register on our website for investing in the next round, and we'll we're still early on. There are 250,000 restaurants in the, in the U.S. alone that were targeted. And, you, and those cu- those customers, they're waving us in saying, hurry up. So we got a lot of ground to cover. We're still yeah. early days. I got to imagine, um, you know, and, and the, because I've been writing about this so much, the, you know, it is obviously a lot of companies are trying to, you know, contain costs. 
and reduce overhead and be as efficient as possible. And robotics does that. Clearly, the labor market is also, you know, speaking to that as well. It's really, really difficult to find, uh, you know, employees skilled and unskilled. And that's also driving automation as well. Now, I'm talking to you. You're in Vegas right now, um, attending a, you know, a, a, a conference by Taco Bell franchisers, right? So can you, can you talk a little bit about like, let's just take like real life, you know, what is Miso doing at Taco Bell? If you're, if you're comfortable talking about that. Yeah, yeah, I am. So um, it, we have 120 people at Miso, 90 plus are engineers, zero <laughs> salespeople. Like we literally have no sales. So every, all of our interest is inbound. My team and I have been in the restaurant tech space for a while. And so we kind of know all the people that in, 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 in the chains that we need to know. And so they keep close tabs on us and how we're progressing and where the product is at. And it kind of goes like this, Gene. They, they generally come to our robotics lab in Pasadena, California and see our robots prepare their food. We show them the data in terms of throughput, reliability, uh, cost. Um, and it's kind of a no brainer across the board. And so that generally leads to some sort of steps of adoption. Sometimes it's a pilot unit or multiple pilot units that get it installed in a test center or in a live restaurant. And these restaurant chains want to test the robots in their environment as they should, rightfully so. That then generally leads to a, a negotiated rollout of certain volume. So far, there's a bunch of companies in this pilot stage, most of whom we've not yet publicly announced, many of, of which we have. I know Jack in the Box, Chipotle, uh, you know, there's just a number of customers. White Castle is kind of our first customer, Buffalo Wild Wings, and this is pretty large. So White Castle has gone on to buy 100 robots. Others are still kind of in that pilot phase. Um, and so when we kind of look at where we're going as a company, it's going to be... Um, it's just such a large industry. You know, there's yeah. just a lot of zeros behind it when you start looking at, looking at the years ahead. Uh, so uh, using Taco Bell as an example, though, I mean, it sounds like every customer is is a bit of a specific implementation. Is that right? I mean, you've probably got core technology, but you've got to, you've got to develop, you know, customize the development of it specifically. I mean, rolling tacos is different than making, you know, a burger at White Castle. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. What we try to do is we try to come up with a product format and footprint, like a configuration, if you will. Yeah. It's about 85% the same across restaurants. Okay. Right. So, and then knowing that every brand is going to have some degree of customization. Um, we really are looking to avoid anything more than a modern amount of customization because when you, what, what robotics are hard, like you, you're, you're, yeah, it's, you know, and, and, and these formats are different and they're, you know, if you think about like we have a robot that does fries and we have one over a fry station, and we have one that does chips. And if you think about a robot over a fry station, the the the, the food is different. It, it you know from brand to brand, the lighting is always a little different. The fryer configuration is a little bit different. It's a it's a smoky reflective environment, and the equipment gets bumped around a lot. This is an environment in which computer vision needs to tell an arm precisely where it is at any given point in time, with 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 very little variance. So it's tough technology to get super reliable. And so for that reason, we're, we're kind of looking to say, okay, we're going to create a number of robotic solutions over the years. And what we, what we want to do is be really disciplined and focused about, okay, this one covers most of the need, but we don't need it to cover all of the need. We're going to kind of chip away at that 15%, you know, balance over the years ahead. Um, but it's but it's a real balancing act because there's a lot of variety and a lot of there's not a lot of consistency in, in, in the marketplace. You know, there's this perception that um, 
it's like with all technology, you know, like, like, you know, oh, you, you wheel it into the fryer, you plug it in and it starts making French fries. And that's all you have to do. And obviously reality is not, is not, I mean, my company implements CRM systems, you know, so it's not like, you know, just like, you know, install a CRM system and then like say, okay, go off and play and your sales are going to increase 20%. So, you know, for, for companies that are like starting to think ahead about implementing robotics in their business. And this can, by the way, this can be, you know, this could be a franchiser of Taco Bell, but it could also be somebody even on the, on the production floor. What have you found to be some of the challenges for the customers? You know, like what, what, when you're, I'm sure you're trying to be as transparent as possible and to say to your customers, Hey, listen, it's not like you just wave a magic wand and all this stuff works. Well, these are the issues that you're going to have to be aware of. What, what issues should you be aware of? Well, when we go into a new environment, we explain really clearly to the team workers, like this is your new colleague and this is kind of what you need to expect. Mm. And it's a, it's a relatively quick, like getting to know you cycle, you know, in terms of the, the, the for employee adoption, but right. they still, there has to be kind of a little bit of a training and understand there. It's understand that. For example, if Flippy is managing, Flippy's our overhead fry station, robotics station. If By the way, there's managing, a Flippy and a Flippy 2, correct? There's, there's, yeah, there's and, yeah, Flippy, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Flippy 2 is what we're bringing to market now. And okay. so Flippy was the original like burger flipping. Right. So but, but to give, you give the example of Flippy 2 over a fry station. There might be six or eight different fry baskets at any given point in time, each one with short cook cycles. The timing and sequencing of where the arm needs to be at the right time so that it's not burning fries and it's getting one time and it's maximizing throughput. That at times leads to Flippy pausing because he's deliberately not going to be busy when he needs to be free. Right. This is one example of what work, workers, if they're not trained or if they don't understand, they think he's taking a smoke break. They're like, well, you know, why is, <laughs> we're working our butts off and he's sitting there, you know, not doing anything. Is he broken? Is it is it frozen? And so there's there's little things like this, and there's a lot of them where they just mm -hmm. have to kind of get used to and understand this is what it looks like and this is what it feels like working next to a robotic solution. Yeah, these robotic solutions as well. I mean, particularly in the kitchen of a fast food restaurant. I mean, there's oil, there's grease, there's smoke, there's, you know, potential dirt, things like that. They got, I mean, you know, what, what should somebody expect when they're when they're implementing robots when it comes to just ongoing maintenance of the hardware? Is it something that you're, are people replacing these units all the time or do they, are you going in and doing something to make sure they're up to date or training the people? How does that work? Yeah, so... One of the ways, what we didn't want to do is to kind of have a hot potato with our customers saying, no, you cover this, you cover this. Because the truth, Gene, is no one knows what the maintenance and repair replacement costs are because no one's done this before. Now, our arms are rated to go 10 years continuous use. So they're just built to be, you know, just bulletproof, right? But no one's run them over, a, you know, a hot fry station for years at a time. And there's parts that are going to wear earlier than others. And all of our science in the world just simply can't accurately predict what parts are going to fail when. So we take over all that expense and we take over all that risk. So what we do is we provide our robots to restaurants for a flat monthly fee with no hidden costs for Flippy 2, call it 3,500 bucks a month. And for that, all upgrades, all parts replacements, all, all repair, all preventive maintenance, and everything's kind of all in. Now, it may not always be that way, but for the next several years, we're just going to kind of learn what what is it really what is the expense to keep one of these things kind of active and going in the field? And then we'll be able to price it, I think, maybe um, differently. But for now, we're just taking the risk out of it for our customers. But the model is, is it's a monthly commitment that you're making, probably more so than that, an annual commitment. 
and it's not like it's just buying a machine and and bringing it over it's it's the, the whole maintenance the service and all that is part of the you know it's part of the implementation correct exactly exactly and 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 also when you look at what we do the 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 physical mechanics of it are are, are hard engineering tasks we solve but the software is equally large like getting the software to kind of work right and have all these systems work together is 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 more than half of of what the technology consists of and so for that reason it's like a SaaS. it's like a software subscription it's kind of like this piece of iron doesn't do anything without the intelligent software that drives it and so we really position it as kind of a subscription technology that just covers it. It acts like a lease, but it's not technically a lease. Right now, and and don't take this the wrong way at all, but I just want to make sure that we're completely clear to our audience. You, you know, you're not going after uh, the independent restaurant in some small town that wants to get a flippy and you know and and have that flip burgers. I mean, I'm assuming at this stage in in your you know of, of your company. You're looking at the chains, the, the Taco Bells, the Chipotle's, the people that were going to commit to, you know, to doing more than just one location, have the resources, have hopefully the internal staff to, to deal with all. I mean, it's a bleeding edge technology right now. Right. Right. So, right. so I don't want to, I, I don't, and I just want to make sure that, that I'm clear on this and that if you have anything to add to this, I don't want to set any expectations. Anybody listening to this saying, oh, I own a restaurant in Oklahoma city and I'd like to buy a flippy is that, you know, would you do business with somebody like an independent like that? Or right now, are you like, you know, we'd like to do business with you in the future, but we're really focusing on yeah. bigger companies, right? Yeah. Now. It, 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 in, in roughly about the middle of next year, there will be certain robotic fry products that an independent can simply just buy off a website. Okay. okay. Um, right now, um, for a number of just go to market efficiencies, uh, we're selling to the nation's largest chains and, you know, that's just, that's just really an efficient model for us. Uh, but also, but that's really only about half of the industry. So their half is independence or small chains. And so there's certain products, for example, we have one that just does fries, one product, either chips or fries or whatever, and it does that all day long. That ships, that ships in a single crate. It installs, self-installs without a, a team required in just a couple hours, comes with a fryer and stuff. So it's like fully integrated. That's the kind of thing that, that independent restaurants by about middle of next year can go and say, do I have the dimensions? Do I have the space? Do I have the right, you know, you know, it really just needs to fit under the exhaust hood. That's really the only requirement. And then buy it and ship it and install it. So these need to be just like refrigerators or dishwashers or stoves or anything else for it to really, um, you know, achieve its purpose in the marketplace. That's fascinating. So it's really not having like a robot standing in front of a fryer, but the, I guess the model is the future model is we're going to ship you the entire fryer that's automated to do what it's got to do. Is that, am I getting that right? It, it, in some cases with some products, it makes sense to do that. Others right. like Flippy too, we, we install over a pre-existing fryers. Um, so it's a little bit of a mixed bag depending on what, you know, product solution we're trying to, 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 to hit. Um, if we ask restaurants to, if they get four or more fryers, and they're relatively new. We don't want to ask them to you know, just throw those assets away. They have a long life, typically 10 years or plus. So uh, for those type of restaurants with our Flippy 2 solution, they keep the fryers. Others, it makes sense to put it all together in one big bundle. Yeah, makes sense. That makes sense. So, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about um, the sort of the ethics and the PR of all of this. I mean, these machines, you know, when I see robots, and I don't think many people would disagree. They're, they're, to me, it's like they're replacing people, you know? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier in this conversation, like, you know, we're, we're public with some people. We're not public with other people. I mean, I, I got to imagine if you are doing work with a well-known brand, a chain, and, 
you know, they're, they're testing out your products to, you know, to do automatic work in the kitchen, you know, it's, you know, it, it, there could be a, a negative spin on that. You know what I mean? In the media by saying, Oh, look, they're, they're just getting rid of employees, um, by, you know, by replacing them with robots. How mm-hmm. do you respond to that? Cause that question has to come up from your, your customers and what, what's your response to that? That, that question used to come up way more frequently a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, when there were actually come, workers. <laughs> yeah. When there were workers. Yeah. Who were yeah. Uh, yeah, possible to, to send home. The reason that, that brands are, are less and less, or they're more and more open with this is because in fact, in, in every instance that we install a robot in, across the board unequivocally, uh, there are no workers sent home. Uh, there just simply aren't enough to send home. There are, hundreds of thousands of restaurants in this world that don't have adequate labor to serve their customers and sometimes not even to open. And so what's true, what's happening true in fact is when we install a robotic solution at a restaurant, the employees or the team members that were working at that station are freed up to go work at another station in the restaurant, the next bottleneck, if you will. That allows the restaurant to actually produce more food, which in turn allows them to sell more food. So the most powerful benefit we bring to restaurants uh, in, in every instance, is that their capacity for manufacturing, for producing food, and therefore their sales grows up, they, they, they don't actually save any labor costs at all. What happens is they optimize their operation. So this, and this is not a COVID phenomenon. Okay, before the pandemic, there was a labor gap. It was like a tight, it was a tight top five problem. It was talked about all the time in restaurants. Sure. Today, it's not. It's it's the crisis. It's the existential crisis facing the industry. Okay, um, and in in Gene, there's no scenario where this labor gap just suddenly goes away. There's just no right. realistic scenario where a million, one point six million people happily return to the workforce and just you know love those jobs and stay on the jobs. So automation is really the only way out of this. And so we're we're kind of look at it as we're at bat. <laughs> the entire industry's looking to us and waiting for us, let's hurry the heck up. You know, when I talk to um, other people where I, even when I listen to conversations with people that are uh, the, the futurists of the world or, you know, or people in the media that say that, Oh, ro- you know, robots are taking over the planet and they're going to eliminate millions of jobs and everything's going to be automated with AI. And then I turn around and I talk to people, you know, and I, don't, I, I, I bet you're one of those people, but I talk to people that are in the industry that come back to me and say, uh, yeah, that sounds nice, but we are really a long ways off from that happening. Like there's hype and there's reality about robots can do, you know? So how far away are we from that hype? I mean, when, when you have that fully automated kitchen where, you know, you go into our McDonald's just to pick on them and like all of the work is being done by robotic employees in the back. It seems like we are way far away from, from ever hitting that point. We are indeed way far away. It's not imminent. It's 10 years plus if it's ever there. And, and let me kind of give you some color. Uh, we're asked all the time by some of the nation's leading restaurant brands, can you make a robot that does fill in the blank, uh, make guacamole, scoop ice cream, do shakes, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the answer is always yes. Yes, of course we can. But you're going to hate the price. Like it, it's not an economic solution for you. Because truth be told, robots, for example, assembling a sandwich, they're just not great at it today. And they couldn't do it in a way that would be super cost effective in such a way that, that it, it would replace human any, anytime soon. Other tasks are really machine tasks that have just been done by humans because the, machine, <laughs> because the machines aren't here yet. And so I, we look at it and we, we've identified 21 discrete tasks back of house and restaurants that could ultimately be automated. But that's not all of them. 
and, and particularly the ones that have to do with creativity, working with other humans. Um, th there's just a lot of, we look at it, we don't really envision a, a humanless restaurant. We just envision one that's a lot more efficient. It's still personal, still has human beings there, uh, but human beings doing jobs that they love to do, that they're really good at, and machines doing work that's really better, better place for machines. What I, um, I was listening recently of Elon Musk was interviewed, um, I think it was on Lex Friedman's podcast and, uh, they were talking about autonomous vehicles and, um, you know, cause he was, you know, you know, Tesla obviously has been on the forefront of that, that R and D and Elon Musk was like, uh, yeah, I know what I said in the past, but, um, it's actually kind of a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, you know, the, yeah, yeah. You know the, the trillions of transactions that need to happen, even on a you know, a, a computer in a car that has to then talk to something in the cloud and back in. It's, yep. it's an enormous thing. And of course, for Elon Musk to say that, you know, you take a step yeah. back and be like, wow, okay, he's a smart guy. And, you know, that, that seems to be even out of his. Is there any, you know, you're in the fast food industry right now, and that's smart to choose to choose that vertical and just focus on that. I mean, that's, that's smart. Right, being in the robotics world as it is, is there any other industries that you would consider to be ahead of, of where you are right now, not that you're competing with them, but yeah. just that are like, they're doing a better job, they're further ahead. And if I can even add to that, because really our, our listeners are small and mid-sized companies, ones where the technology itself is becoming that much more, uh, more affordable by smaller companies. Do you know what I mean? What are your thoughts on that? It, uh, logistics and warehousing are significantly ahead of many other industries in their use of, of robotics. And there's, there's certain companies we're watching that actually are, relatively close to having complete machine-driven warehouse, large warehouses, autonomous vehicles or robots of sorts, you know, autonomous trucks, you know, so yeah, for sure, and as are as our drones. So I view it as the restaurant industry is actually a bit behind. It's a bit of a laggard um, and in other industries. The memo's out, they got it. Like, I don't think the restaurant is no is any longer kind of laggards. I think they're now like, okay, let's, this is the technology that's going to kind of, kind of save, save our, our, our economic model. Um, but I'm with you, G. When I look at this, the, the world today, it's crazy how quickly it seemed to have, it seemed to have happened that there's mm -hmm. just robotic solutions that are becoming more and more commonplace and we just kind of accept them. It's cool. Yeah, it is very, very cool. And yet there's, we're just in its infancy right now, which means there's a lot of, you know, there's a, a lot of help. So um, what's next? Is there a flippy three coming up or uh, what, what's next for Visa Robotics? Yeah, the, the, what you will see from us is a continued slate of product releases, all kind of handling kind of different uh, different tasks back of house. And there's a bunch of them to tackle. Um, the, and, and everything we put out is like any electronics. There's going to be more and more, like there'll be constant iterations. And the next version is always going to be better, smarter, faster, cheaper. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, I know I said it before, but we're early days. And so there will absolutely be a flippy three. Um, and and for and beyond that, it's gonna we'll, we'll be at this for years. Mike Bell is the CEO at Miso Robotics. Mike, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a great conversation. I think for those people that are listening to this, they just you, you get an idea of where the world is going, regardless of the industry that you're in. And fast food industry, uh, as great as the progress that you guys have made at Miso, I mean, there are, like you said earlier, there are other industries that are even further ahead, and it's something we all need to keep an eye on. So. Thank you very much. Go and have a chalupa for me down at, uh, you know, at your conference. I really appreciate you speaking. Yeah. Thank you, Gene. Appreciate you having me. It was a pleasure. Take care. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. 
visit payx.me forward slash thrive topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2022, all rights reserved.